Well, turning your Bibles to Matthew chapter 25. Matthew 25, we're continuing our study of the gospel of Matthew, and we've been seeing all this time in our study that Matthew presents Jesus as the king of the Jews, and we're continuing this morning. Jesus is on the Mount of Olives. You remember that as they walked out the city, his disciples with him, they said something about the temple. He said it was going to be destroyed. When they got to the Kidron Valley and then went up to the Mount of Olives, looked back across at the beautiful city and the temple, uh, they came to him and said, well, when is this going to be? And what will be the sign of your coming? What will be the end of the age? Because they were understanding Jesus was supposed to be the king and rule. <clears throat> so Jesus begins in chapter 24 and chapter 25 to teach the end time events. And he basically talks about that time period called the tribulation, which is the time in which uh, they will, the, the Antichrist will come to power to be the worst suffering. It'll be a time for the Jewish people to put their faith in the Messiah. And he taught them things. He taught them about the tribulation and the seven years and the Antichrist and heaven's open and him coming back. And, the, and we've even seen uh, about the idea of the rulership as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Well, this morning, what we're going to see is Jesus teaches concerning the judgment that happens when he returns as the king. He's going to come back as the king of kings and lord of lords, and there's going to be a division. And in this passage, he calls them sheep and goats, sheep of the believers, goats of the unbelievers. And he says when he comes back, there'll be a division. So as we start, let me raise some questions. First of all, who are the sheep and goats? What does it mean to inherit the kingdom? And why are works mentioned in this passage. And so the bottom line, and those who are watching, uh, you know, here's the bottom line. Will you be in the kingdom? Now, as I look out in this room, I know almost everybody in here. And so that you have put, if you put your faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior, you will be in the kingdom. And this passage not only talks about being in the kingdom, it talks about inheriting the kingdom. And we'll talk more about that in a minute. If you have not trusted in Jesus Christ as your Savior, when Jesus Christ comes and there's a division, if you've not trusted, you'll be in this passage, you'd be the goat and you'd be separated from Jesus Christ. So I hope and pray that everyone has put their faith in Jesus Christ for eternal life, trusting in him and him alone. So we'll see that as we go through this passage. When I was in college, it was the late 60s, and I had a friend, I was at Delta State, and that's in Cleveland, Mississippi, and I had a friend from Biloxi, Mississippi. He was uh, with us. He was my good buddy. And one weekend, he went home for the weekend, and when he got there, all of a sudden, weather reports came. And they said, better evacuate the coast. There's a hurricane coming. At that time, it was called Hurricane Camille. And they said it was terrible, and they needed to evacuate. So my friend and his family got in their car, and they drove 30 or 40 miles on inland, and they were safe. But they had a next-door neighbor. The next-door neighbor said, I'm not leaving. He said, I don't believe all this stuff. And, I mean, you know, I just don't believe it. I don't care about these warnings. I can make it through anything. Well, Hurricane Camille came, and it, it was at that point the worst hurricane that ever hit the United States. Destroyed everything. When my friend went back, all, they, his house was completely gone. There was nothing left. And the only thing they found was his high school letter jacket out of everything. That was all that was left. The next-door neighbor was killed. It, in fact, they never found the next-door neighbor. And, uh, you know, he was warned that it was coming, but he didn't believe the warning. And the same thing is true. There's a warning that Jesus Christ is coming as the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and either you'll be with him in the kingdom or you'll be separated from him in the kingdom. And there are a lot of people who say, I don't believe all that, I don't believe that. Well, the truth is Jesus Christ is the Son of God who is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He is the righteous Holy One. He will one day rule in righteousness and justice on this earth. He will rule a thousand years on this earth and then an eternal kingdom forever. And those who believe in him will be with him, and those who do not trust in him will not be with him. And that is the warning, and that's what we see. And so as we, as we look at this this morning, we, we, Jesus Christ tells the disciples about the separation 
That will occur when he comes to the earth to set up the kingdom. There'll be a division. Believers from unbelievers. And we're going to be looking at that. And, and uh, at the bottom line goes back to faith. It's not works. It's not our goodness. It is simply whoever believes in Jesus Christ will never perish but have everlasting life. In this passage, he uses an analogy of sheep and goats. And we'll see it as we go through it. Here's the outline. We're going to see in verse 31, the king comes. And we see the gathering of the nations. We'll talk about that more. The inheritance for the sheep. The removal for the goats and then the separation at the end. Now, one thing from this passage, which may surprise you, but he says, Jesus says, during the, king, during the tribulation, you'll be able to tell who the believers are. Let me put this up. In fact, it says, in the tribulation, believers will be recognized by the way they treat other believers, especially how they treat the believing Jews. Now, you already know that in the tribulation, at the halfway point when the Antichrist puts his idol up in the temple, He claims to be God, and if you believe in him, you take the mark of the beast. If you don't believe in him and you trust in Jesus Christ, you don't take the mark of the beast. So during the tribulation, it's going to be very easy to see who are the believers and who aren't the believers. The believers will not have a mark. The unbelievers will have the mark of the beast. He also says that you can tell the believers, especially the faithful believers, for how they treat the nation of Israel. We'll talk about it as we go through the passage, and you'll see this. You know, uh, the reason I brought this up, and, and we want to see this, is there's a lot of people today, they'll say things like this. Well, you can tell who's a believer by how they live. And people say that. And they'll say something like this. Well, a real believer wouldn't do that. Or somebody who's a true believer wouldn't do those things. Well, the truth is, is a believer will do anything. We're capable of any sin. We've all can sin and come short of the glory of God. You cannot tell by lifestyle whether a person is a believer or not. You could be an unbeliever living good, or you could be a believer living bad. Let me tell you about me. From age 12 to 19, if you'd have seen my life, you would have said, that guy must be a Christian. I was a good guy. In fact, I believed that you had to do more good than bad. So if you looked at my life, you would see a good guy. I obeyed my mom and daddy. I didn't get in trouble at school. Back in those days, I didn't smoke or drink. I didn't. Do... So they would say, that's a good guy. You might say, he's a Christian. I was not a Christian. I believed you had to do good to go to heaven. I trusted Christ at age 19. If you would have seen my life at age 22, 23, you might have said, that guy's not a Christian. Because there were some things that I did that I shouldn't have done. Don't tell anybody. But anyway, I should But So you could have looked at my life then and said, he's probably not a Christian. But the truth is, I, I was. I am. And so you can't look at lifestyle. Now, what we're going to see in this passage, though, during the tribulation, they'll be able to tell who the believers are and who are not, first of all, by the mark of the beast, and second is the faithful believers are going to take care of the Jewish believers. We'll see it as we go through the passage. And so I just wanted to kind of give you that heads up as we go into that. Now, let me remind you about the end times and how they fit. If you remember, the first coming of Jesus Christ, he came to the earth to die on the cross to pay for sin. The second coming of Jesus Christ to the earth, he's coming as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. This is what we're talking about in this particular passage. He's coming to rule in righteousness and justice. And so first coming, 
to die, second coming to reign. Now, in between, there's the rapture. This is us. We're in the church age. One of these days could be in any second. Jesus is going to come in the clouds. He's going to take us off. Now, this is not to the earth. This is in the clouds. So that's first coming to the earth. That's second coming to the earth. That's in the clouds. Our passage that we're dealing with is the second coming to the earth. So think about it. His first coming to die, his second coming to reign, and the coming in between was to get the cloud in the clouds to get the church. So let's look at it. Look at verse 31, because Jesus is really clear. Look what he says here. But when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. So that one verse is is sort of a small verse, but it's got a lot of information in there. I want you to look at it with me. He says, when the Son of Man comes, he's called the Son of Man. That goes back to the book of Daniel, because in the book of Daniel, the Messiah and King is called the Son of Man. So he says, when the Son of Man comes in his glory. And we already saw when Peter, James, and John were taken up on the top of the Mount of Transfiguration, and they saw Jesus as the King, they saw him in his glory. So when Jesus comes the second time to set up the kingdom, he's coming as the Son of Man, which is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and he's coming in his glory. And then look at this next thing. It says, and angels will be with him. We've already seen in the Gospel of Matthew that angels are coming, and the angels are the ones that are going to divide the world between believers and unbelievers. And then look at the last part of the verse. He says, and then he will sit on his glorious throne. The throne is the throne of David. When Jesus Christ comes, Zechariah tells us in chapter 14, he is coming to the Mount of Olives. He will rule in righteousness and justice. Second Samuel chapter 7, verses 12 through 17, the promise to King David that he would have a son who would sit on the throne forever as the Messiah and King. This is when Jesus is coming, and he's coming to fulfill that promise, and that is his glorious throne. Now, Jesus is not, in, is not sitting on that throne right now. In fact, where is Jesus? He's seated at the right hand of the throne of the Father in the heavenly places. And one of these days, he's going to come get us, and then later he's coming to the earth to sit on the throne of David. Now, a lot of people don't grasp that. Jesus Christ will come to Jerusalem and rule the world as the King of kings and the Lord of lords as the greater son of David. That's going to happen. And this verse says, when he comes, he will sit on his glorious throne. He's going to come as the King of Kings. I want to read something to you. You've heard me say this before. This is Revelation chapter 19, verse 11. I saw heavens open, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on it is called Faithful and True. That's Jesus coming. And in righteousness, he judges and wages war. He's coming as the King to judge. And then it says that we're coming with him, and on his robe and on his thigh is the name King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And then it says in Revelation chapter 20, that believers, we will be with Jesus Christ and we will reign with him for a thousand years. Jesus Christ will rule on this earth for a thousand years, the throne of David as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And that's what he's talking about. And so when the Son of Man comes in his glory and with all the angels with him, and he will sit on his glorious throne. And we've seen this many times, but he's talking about this time period right here. 
Now, this is a timeline. Most of you know it. Here's the Old Testament. Jesus came, died, and rose again. Church age, us, rapture, seven-year tribulation, halfway through, Antichrist, all of that. And then Jesus comes, and he rules in righteousness and justice for a thousand years on this earth. And then he's going to make a new heavens and a new earth, and he will continue to rule for all time as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And so we call this, in, in this passage, it is called the separation of the sheep from the goats. Now, I want to show you something just to make sure you got it. We're talking about right here, and he's going to make a separation between believers and unbelievers. Later on, at the end of the thousand years, Jesus Christ is going to sit on a throne called the Great White Throne Judgment, and all unbelievers will be raised, books will be open, the book of life be open. And anyone's name not found written in the book of life is cast into the lake of fire. Unbelievers' names are not found written in the book of life. The only way you can get your name in the book of life is trust in Jesus Christ because when you trust in him, he gives you eternal life and your name is in the book of life. And so what we're talking about here is the separation of sheep and goats. Later on, there will be another separation, an eternal separation, and we'll see that as we continue in all our studies. So let's see what happens. Look at verse 32. Verse 31, he's going to sit on his throne. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate them one from another as the shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. Now, they're going to come together, and uh, this he's coming as the king of kings and the lord of lords, and all the people are going to come, and, and it's uh, and amazing, and he's going to separate them out. And if you notice, it says the nations will be gathered. Now, there's, a, there's two thoughts on this, but the, most, the one I think that is the correct one is the nations are talking about the Gentiles. Jewish people are not called nations. Jewish people are the chosen people of God. The Gentiles are called the nations. So I think this judgment is going to be the different Gentile nations coming together. And notice, all the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate them one from another as the shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. Now, what's going to, the separation is going to be who has believed in the Messiah. Who of the nations has believed the Messiah? And in this passage, who treated the Jewish people correctly, the believing Jews. And we'll talk more about it in just a second on how this fits together. And notice he says, I will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. After the first service this morning, a person asked me, he says, why sheep and goats? Why did he do that? Well, here's what, I, what we understand. At this culture, during the day, the sheep and the goats were together. When they came in at night, they separated. Sheep went one way, goats went another. So Jesus is using this analogy to say that when he comes as the king, sheep are going to go one way, Goats are going to go another. Sheep of the believing uh, believers and the goats of the unbelievers. And we'll see it. Now, you might say, well, has everybody known about the Messiah? Yes. Matthew 24, 14 has already said that the message will go throughout the world. So when people stand before Jesus Christ ever, it's always, the message has always been uh, proclaimed. John three eighteen: he who believes is not condemned. But he who does not believe is condemned already. Why? Because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Salvation is always by faith alone in Christ alone. 
we have the greatest privilege of all that when we go out these doors, we get to tell people in our community and throughout the world that you can have eternal life simply by faith in Jesus Christ. There are people who believe that message. There are people who don't believe that message. If you look at the book of Acts, at the very end, here's Paul. He gets to meet with all these Jewish people, and they all come to him in Rome when he's in prison, and he talks the whole day, and it says, and some believed what he said, and some did not believe what he said. J. Vernon McGee was a Bible teacher, and he taught uh, for years and years and years. He has a ministry, or still going, called Through the Bible Radio, even though he's dead. It teaches through, he teaches through the Bible completely every five years. He had a picture, he told, right, told one time about, he had a picture in his home, and then the picture is a cross, and the cross is in the ground, and the cross is digging up the ground as if it's a plow. And you can see that the dirt is going on both sides of the cross, and at the bottom this says, the cross divides men. And it's true. You can tell the message of Jesus Christ and some people will believe and some people won't believe. When Jesus comes in this passage as the King of Kings and sits on his glorious throne, he's going to divide between those who believe and those who don't believe. That's what's going to happen. Now, as we look at this, and, and, and here's, the, here's the question really for all of us. Where, where do you stand? I hope and pray, and I know everybody in this room as I look around, I know almost everyone. I hope every one of you have put your faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior, trusted in him to give you eternal life. Because the truth is, if you haven't, I mean, the, the world can be divided. In fact, J. Vernon McGee used to say, the world is divided into two groups, saints and ain'ts. A saint is one who's trusted in Christ. An ain't is one who ain't trusted in Christ. That's how you would say it. He was funny. But here's the bottom line. Either you believed or not believed. Either you're saved or you're lost. Either you're a child of God or you're a child of the devil. Either you have eternal life or you have the second death. Either you're going to be with Jesus Christ or you're going to be separated from Christ. In this passage, we see at the end of the tribulation a division. Now let me show you, and then we go through it very, very quickly. Let me show you three things. <clears throat> from the judgment, that we call it the judgment of the nations, the judgment of the sheep and the goats. The division is based, first of all, on believers and unbelievers. Second, the believers are inheriting the kingdom. These are faithful believers. They're getting rewards. And then believers can be recognized in this passage by their actions. So let's start first, that the division is based on believers and unbelievers. Notice what he says in verse 33. He'll put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. And as we go through the passage, we'll see the sheep are those who are the believers, the sheep on the right, the goats on the left, sheep are the believers. This is the analogy. And, and all who are believed are the, are the sheep, and all who have rejected are the goats. Now, here's the second thing I want you to notice. Believers are inheriting the kingdom. That's special. When you read the Bible, don't miss over the key words. This is inheriting. Watch this. Look at verse 34. When the king, then when the king will say to those on his right, come you who are blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. He says, inherit the kingdom. It has been prepared for you before the world began. God's plan is that believers would in, and faithful believers would inherit the kingdom. Now, I want to show you something. There is a difference between entering the kingdom, which is simply by faith, and inheriting the kingdom, which is by works, which is rewards. We enter the kingdom simply by faith. If you go back to John chapter 3, when Jesus was talking to Nicodemus, he said, uh, you cannot, and unless you're born again, that's by faith, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. We enter the kingdom of God by faith. It's not works. But inheriting the kingdom deals with rewards. So whenever you see 
enter the kingdom is dealing with salvation, eternal life salvation. Whenever you see inheriting the kingdom, it's dealing with rewards and works. And this is what this passage is about. So he says, the king will say to those on his right, come, you are blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom. These are faithful believers prepared from the foundation of the world. And so this is, this is the, the inheriting the kingdom. Let me put that down. They will inherit the kingdom. Now watch. This is unique. This is probably the only, just thinking out loud, this is probably the only time we'll be able to see in the scripture how you could know just by looking at someone whether they're a believer or not. And in the tribulation, you can look, and if a person has the mark of the beast, you can know immediately. We're not there, so this is not for us. But if it's for the people who are in the tribulation, they could look at somebody, and if they have the mark of the beast, they're an unbeliever. If they don't have the mark of the beast, they're a believer. And so watch what he says. Verse 35, he talks to them, and this is the key. Believers can be recognized by their actions. Look what he says. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. So he names all of these things. Now, by the way, he's talking about how they, how they dealt with the believing Jews. If you remember at the very beginning of the tribulation, there's 144,000 Jewish people, 12,000 from each of the 12 tribes who trust in Jesus Christ as Messiah and Savior. And as you go through the tribulation, more and more Jewish people become believers. And if you remember when the Antichrist puts his idol up in the temple, which they call it the abomination desolation, they were to flee. In fact, Jewish people are told to flee to a place called Selah, that's Isaiah 16.2. It's also called Petra. They were to flee and get out of there. And people were helping them. In fact, we're going to find that these believers who were faithful were the ones that helped the Jewish believers. You may say, how do you know that? Because Jesus is saying, I was hungry, this and this and this. And they're going to raise the question. They're going to say, wait a minute. How, how did we do that? The believers are going to ask, when did we do this for you? Notice the next verse, verse 37. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord... When did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? And when did we see you as a stranger and invite you in or naked and clothed you? When did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? When did we do this? Now, one thing I want you to notice, look at the verse carefully, verse 37. It says, then the righteous, that's the sheep, will answer him. Listen, righteousness comes by faith. Every one of us in this room, if you have trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, the moment you believed in Jesus Christ, God gave you His righteousness. Romans 4, 5, but to whom it does not work, but believes in Him who justifies the ungodly, His faith is credited for righteousness. That means every one of us in this room, if you have put your faith in Christ, you are perfectly righteous. Sometimes in my SBI classes, sometimes I'll have the class and I'll say, okay, how many of you in this room are perfectly righteous? And most people don't raise their hand. And I say, wait a minute, wait a minute. Have you put your faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior? And they'd go, well, oh, yeah. So then you have his righteousness. How many of you are perfectly righteous? And then every hand goes up because they realize this. Okay? And so that's what we're saying. He calls these people righteous. Then the righteous will say, Lord, when did we do this? When did we do this? When did we do this? And look at verse 40. The king will answer and say to them, truly I say to you, to the extent that you did it to one of these brothers of mine who are the brothers of Jesus Christ. 
That's the Jews. He's Jewish, by the way. Remember that? If you did it to one of the brothers of mine, you, and you, even to the least of them, you did it to me. When he basically says, my brothers are the believing Jews, and when you took care of them, you took care of me. When you loved them, you loved me. When you believed them, you believed me. When you took care of them, you took care of me. And Jesus is saying that you righteous Gentile believers how you took care of the Jewish people fleeing for their lives who were believers, he's going to reward them because they inherit the kingdom. Remember this verse? The king will say to those on the right, come you who are blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Now I want you to understand, their actions didn't save them. But during the tribulations, their actions show that they are believers. First of all, they don't have the mark of the beast. And second, they're taking care of the Jewish people. So we could put it this way. The characteristics of the believers during the tribulation time period is their love and actions toward other believers, especially the Jewish believers. Especially the Jewish believers. Now we turn to the other side. He's basically said to the sheep... Inherit the kingdom because you did these things. And they said, well, when did we do that for you? He said, when you did it for the Jewish believers, you did it for me. Now he looks at the goats. Notice verse 41. Then he will also to those on his left, that's the goats, depart from me, accursed one, into the eternal fire, which is prepared for the devil and his angels. He's telling them to leave. He's separating them out. See, the believers are going into the kingdom to be with Jesus, but the unbelievers aren't going into the kingdom. And he says, depart from me, Matthew 25, 41, the lake of fire which was prepared for the devil. You understand that the lake of fire was prepared for the devil and his angels, not for people, but when people rebelled and rejected, that's where they, that's where they end up because they're separated from the Father. So he says, now watch what he goes on to say, verse 41, for I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty. You gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you did not invite me in. I was naked and you did not clothe me. I was sick and you in prison and you did not visit me. He said, you didn't do these things for me. And of course, we know he's talking about you didn't do this for the Jewish believers. And watch what they say. Well, they say also, Lord, when did we, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or stranger or naked or sick or in prison and, and did not take care of you? When did, when did we do that? And he said, And he answered them, Truly I say to you, to the extent that you did not do it to the one of the least of these. He's talking about the brothers of mine. You did not do it to me. Now he's saying, and by the way, you understand that in the tribulation, the people that take the mark of the beast, they're trying to kill the Christians. They're trying to kill the Jewish believers. So they weren't taking care of them. They were trying to kill them. So I want you to realize there's believers who were who the righteous ones. They did the good. They inherit the kingdom. It's eternal life and rewards. The unbelievers are cursed. And they're basically removed to eternal fire. Believers, they loved other believers, especially the Jews. The unbelievers ignored others and persecuted and tried to kill. So it's really a powerful thing. So look at this. During the tribulation, believers and unbelievers will be evident by their actions. Believers, those not taking the mark of the beast, you can see that. They're being persecuted. They're helping fellow believers, the Jews. The unbelievers, they do take the mark of the beast. They are persecuting the believers and the Jewish people. So it's very powerful truths. And Jesus is basically saying, when I come as the king, I'm going to make a division. And remember, the, the vision is the people who are coming out of the tribulation. 
And he says, those coming out of the tribulation are the sheep who believed in me and took care of my people, the believing Jews. You're going to inherit the kingdom and you're going to get some great stuff. You people coming out of the tribulation who are unbelieving, you took the mark of the beast, you persecuted my people, and, and, the, and you're going to be separated forever because they didn't believe. Look at verse 46. The, and he gives the summary. These will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. The goats, unrighteous punishment. The, the sheep, the believers, eternal life. Let me remind you of something. And we taught this, this earlier, but we're talking about right here. And what actually happens, now Jesus just gives a big overview and he says one's going to life and one's going to death. But what we found out is the believers go into the kingdom to live with Jesus Christ for a thousand years. The unbelievers are placed in a place called Hades in the heart of the earth. And at the end of the thousand year reign, it actually says Jesus Christ will bring have a great white throne judgment and the unbelieving dead will be raised to stand before Jesus at the great white throne judgment. That's Revelation chapter 20. So if you really want to look it up, Revelation chapter 20, the last verses of that chapter, and it basically says the books are open and they're not found in the book of life and they're cast into the lake of fire. That's the eternal separation. So when you think about this, I hope and pray that every one of us, that number one, that we're the church, the body of Christ, that you've trusted in Christ, so when the rapture comes, you'll be gone. We'll never be a part of that. If for some reason you have never trusted in Jesus Christ as Savior and the rapture happens, you're going into the tribulation. What you need to do is trust in Jesus Christ immediately, never take the mark of the beast, and if you're not Jewish, try to help the Jewish people during the tribulation if you were to be left behind. Because then at the end, he will say, good job, and he'll bring you into the kingdom. My hope and prayer is that all of us, not only us in this room, but those watching that they've all put your faith in Christ and so you have eternal life and when the rapture comes, we'll all be together. So let me give you some applications. Here's what we see. Let's realize that Jesus Christ is coming to the earth to reign as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And that's where he's coming, right there. And he's going to rule on this earth. After the thousand years, after the great white throne judgment, there is a new heavens and a new earth. It's Revelation chapter 21 and 22. And he makes a new heavens and a new earth and he rules forever. The second thing to remember is that when Jesus Christ comes, there will be a separation of mankind. And believers will go into the kingdom and they have eternal life and the unbelievers experience the second death and they ultimately end up in the lake of fire. And so what we want, y'all, is we want people to know the truth so they won't be separated from God forever. The third thing I just want you to remember is may our lives be characterized by good works. Believers will stand before the judgment seat of Christ for rewards. Believers will, faithful believers will inherit the kingdom. Let us show our love for Jesus Christ to others. How do we do that? We take the message of salvation and we do good work. See, now, the closest thing is that if you live a righteous, good life, some people might think you're a Christian. Now, you could be and might not be because you can't tell by lifestyle. In the tribulation, you can't tell by lifestyle. But let's do this. Let's live in such a way that they think we're Christians. <laughs> and let's live out who we really are as Christians because that's what we want. And we know this. May we as believers show our love for Jesus Christ by our love to others.